Hey, it's Erica. I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to Global News What Happened To ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the biggest of its kind, with an orange face that looks like a shield. It looks threatening, with long antennae that curl forward, and sharp mandibles that can decapitate prey easily. The invasive species made headlines as it found its way to North America, potentially threatening native species. Murder hornets are back. It is a creature from hell. New details this morning about the nest of murder hornets found in Washington state. Where did they come from? How did they get the nickname Murder Hornet? And are they really a threat? I'm journalist Erica Vela, and this is Global News What Happened to the Murder Hornet. Before we get into how this insect arrived in North America, I think it's important we get to know a little bit more about them and why there was so much buzz just a couple years ago. The murder hornet is part of the Vespa genus. That includes about 20 to 25 different species. Its correct name, though, is the Asian giant hornet, with the scientific name Vespa mandarinia. It's an apex predator at the top of the food chain in the insect world. The Asian giant hornet, of course, has earned its reputation in part because it is the largest hornet in the world. It's a very large insect, about five centimeters in body length, with a wingspan of about seven centimeters. So it is close to the the size of one of the smaller species of hummingbirds. That is a an, an, an pretty imposing set of statistics, if you will. That's Paul Van Westendorp. He's an entomologist and provincial apiarist in British Columbia, and really an expert when it comes to all things to do with insects. Paul told me about what sets the Asian giant hornet apart from others. Their behavior is uh, is interesting in that uh, uh, they are ground nesters, uh, unlike domestic uh, uh, wasps such as yellow jackets and and bald faced hornets um, that that develop nests, uh, paper nests, mostly in vegetation or in our homes or uh, in the top of trees. Uh, the uh, Asian giant hornet uh, constructs its nest underground, and that is one of the problems. Uh, where, why it, ex- it, it raises the risk of, of public uh, of public threat that the uh, that you mostly can run into a nest and inadvertently disturb it and these wasps come out these hornets come out and then uh, uh, can inflict quite a bit of uh, of injury to uh, to an unsuspecting person or livestock or or wildlife so it's it's uh, it's a threat. The threat comes with a stinger that can inject a large quantity of venom. And Paul says that venom contains an enzyme that can cause tissue necrosis. 
It dissolves the tissue uh, uh, right at the stinging, uh, the point of where, where the person gets stung. And that can lead to infection, uh, first in bleeding and then later on in infection. So the, 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 the effects are far longer in time. And of course, there's a lot of pain involved. And generally, when a nest is disturbed, it's just mostly not just one a hornet that may be uh, going into a defensive mode, but a whole bunch of them, and 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 then you can create quite a bit of of problems. But perhaps most at risk, honeybees. When news of the Asian giant hornet emerged in 2019, beekeepers were worried because hornets are known to attack honeybee hives. Paul says the hornet nest starts in the spring with a mated queen that had wintered on her own. All her offspring are sterile females who will never mate but help build the nest. Successive generations of workers are produced until late summer when the nest has become large enough to produce sexually maturing females and males. For that, the nest needs a lot of animal protein. So along with the general insect prey, the Asian giant hornet will also prey on honeybee colonies. So when the late summer comes in, when they want to produce their sexually maturing offspring, that is when the nest requires a lot of animal protein. And that is when they often go to honeybee colonies because they're easy prey, relatively speaking. And there they want to raid a honeybee colony. You might be buzzing wondering how they managed to pull off this attack. And for insects, it's surprisingly violent, which explains the hornet's murderous name. Now, the way they do that is that you have a foraging or a scout of this hornet nest that will come into an apiary, and there may be a number of colonies in that apiary, and it will gauge which one would be suitable for raiding. It will then basically deposit a pheromone near that hive or this nest, and it will then go back home uh, to recruit a number of her sisters. And so you may have a half a dozen to maybe a dozen of those hornets that will then come back to the apiary and home in on this marked, pheromone-marked hive or nest, and it will then basically start picking uh, the adult bees off the entrance. They don't, they're not particularly interested in feeding on the adult bees, but they just basically want to create a massive amount of panic and eventually overcome the defenses of the nest, of the honeybee nest, so that they gain entrance to the nest itself. These hornets are primarily interested in the larvae, in the babies, in the brood of the honeybees, because that is very protein-rich. And they collect those, put them into meat balls, if you will, and carry that back home and feed it to their own larvae, to their brood. And that brood will then eventually evolve in uh, uh, virgin queens and males, who will then subsequently mate. So that's basically the way how they hunt. It's something out of a sci-fi movie. To the honeybees, the hornets are monsters, taking their young, motivated by the need to multiply. It's dramatic, I know. But the insect has been around for hundreds of years, and they are native to Asian countries. So have Asian honeybees adapted to this apex predator? 
In Asia, you have also the Asian honeybee, which is not Apis mellifera, but it's called Apis serrana. And Apis serrana has over thousands or millions of years of coexistence with the giant hornets has developed a mechanism of defense that seems to be quite effective. And that one is by balling a intruder by basically having a clump of these bees uh, surrounding this intrusive uh, hornet. And they raise the temperature higher and higher just below their lethal condition, uh, yet too high for the hornet to survive. And so that is at about 47 degrees Celsius. That's pretty hot. And uh, the uh, hornet uh, suffocates and dies as a result of it. It basically overheats uh, these. I'm sure that the honeybees themselves surely suffer as well. But uh, as a nest, they will survive the attack. Now, our European honeybees have never developed that defense mechanism. And in fact, our bees have no defense at all and will therefore be very easy prey for, for these Asian giant hornets. And this is what has North American beekeepers worried. John and Mefita Holubeshin live in Nanaimo, British Columbia. They own three hives in their backyard. It's something I've always wanted to try from when I was younger. It's a bit of a something to overcome as well in terms of being comfortable around these, these stinging insects. Mafita's interest in beekeeping came from a slightly different place. I was always interested in insects as a kid in general, not just bees. And I would uh, bring a little plastic bag and wrap it around a flower so I could watch the honeybee or or catch praying mantises or, or figure out what ants do. So I'm just kind of connected more with observing what's happening around me. So when he wanted to get into beekeeping, um, you know, I, I was like really excited and right in there. They've been keeping bees for the past nine years. And not only do they manage their hives, but they have also earned their bee master certificates and are executive members of the Nanaimo Beekeepers Club. They mentor and support other local beekeepers as well. And for them, beekeeping is a real art form. We both have different approaches too. So as a couple, uh, when we're looking over the hive, um, John will say something and I will say, no, let's do this. And, and then we'll have this discussion right on top of the hive. It's got a very steep learning curve. If, if we knew ahead of time what was involved, we may not have gotten involved. I'm glad we did. Um, it's not like taking af looking after a dog. You know, you feed it, you let it out, you play with it. This doesn't take as much time. But there's a lot more to know when you're at the highest working them. A lot of problem solving, knowing what to do when certain things happen. But we've got a base of other beekeepers that we can ask for advice. And, uh, you know, we've also mentored new beekeepers in the same way. Over the years, they've found ways to protect their hives and help them thrive. But nothing prepared them for what happened in 2019. In September of that year, British Columbia's Ministry of Agriculture issued a news release that caught Mafita's attention. There was a suspected Asian giant hornet nest in Nanaimo. I was reading it and I'm going, 
what on earth is the Asian giant horn? I'd never heard of this thing. And so I started really digging in on the weekend and we had plans like everybody else on the weekend that didn't involve the Asian giant horn. And, and the more I read, the more I watched these videos, I'm going, oh my God, oh my God. Like that was my uh, like escalating reaction over the weekend. And frankly, I, although I was worried about our bees, I was actually much more worried from a public health perspective because this was in Nanaimo and clearly uh, like they would not issue a news release if this was not uh, real. Um, and I also happened to, in my search, stumble onto a Vancouver Island Health Authority internal news release telling their staff to watch out for people coming in with stings. So, you know, that really raised the alarm for me uh, from a public health perspective. And I remember um, telling John, 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 because he, he wasn't digesting it uh, right away. And, and this is a difference between the both of us. John needs more time and I'm already there. <laughs> And so by the end of the weekend, he had processed it and I was already at DEFCON, whatever. <laughs> and uh, we both agreed that we needed the coordinates uh, because we can't even begin to plan a search or scope this out without um, coordinates. Like, is it north of town, south of town, middle of downtown? Where is this? Mafida and John turned to Paul Van Westendorp, who had coordinates on recent sightings. It appeared the hornets were closing in on their hives. I think there were seven sightings at the time. We got uh, three from Paul, three, three sets of coordinates, plus we knew one beekeeper who had seen them. So that gave us four, four known locations. And they were in a very tight area, um, all within... Uh, about 800 meters of each other. So at that point, we plotted them on a map, Google Maps, and uh, drew the lines between them all. And that's when Mafita took a look at them, said they're right there. Mafita pointed to a park on the map, convinced that the nest was tucked somewhere within it. She wanted to take action. It was a small park, and there was a... a water course in it and everything that I had basically consumed and OD'd on over the weekend came back to me in terms of, okay, they need uh, their ground nesters, they need water, low-lying forested areas, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just looking at the map that he showed me and I went, okay, they've got to be in there. And I had that week basically tried to wrap my brain around who to reach out to as volunteers, not realizing at the time how potentially um, hazardous it would be to go traipsing around looking for an Asian giant hornet nest. And I sent an all staff email to my workplace because I work in the Ministry of Forest as a personal favor if anybody wanted to join us because I uh, there's biologists, there's entomologists in my office. I thought somebody would be interested. Conrad Bayroubet works for the provincial government, administering provincial legislation regulating pesticides. So she sent out a note saying, hey, a beekeeper uh, has found these giant uh, hornets uh, in his apiary in the southern part of Nanaimo, and we're going to go look for them <laughs> because uh, if these two specimens were found bothering a honeybee hive, 
Uh, it's likely that the nest is nearby. There were a number of other sightings subsequent to the to the identification, initial identification. Uh, she said, "We're, you know, we're thinking of getting a getting a party organized to go look for the nest." So I wrote back to her say, to say um, that uh, I'd certainly be interested. As Mafita rallied a posse of beekeepers to go after the hornets, Conrad was already aware of the danger they posed. He had previously worked in the U.S. Peace Corps, and on a trip to Nepal in the mid-90s, he got in contact with local volunteers about some of his work in beekeeping. And on that particular trip in Nepal, uh, I was visiting Peace Corps volunteer Elizabeth uh, Wilson and uh, her husband, Sri, who was Nepalese. And um, in our wanderings about uh, assisting local beekeepers, uh, our attention was drawn to uh, a single dead specimen of an Asian giant hornet. Conrad was willing to help, but he didn't hear back from Mafita until a few days later when he received a frantic call. Mafita and John had found the nest. In the late afternoon of September 19th, Mafita and John went on a reconnaissance mission. We canceled our plans for the evening. Got there around five. Now, this was mid-September, so the sun was just starting to, to get low in the sky. There's a trail through there that's that's popular. We started in. Mufita's going fairly quickly because she wants to cover as much ground as possible. I'm walking a little slower. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, this is a good time to spot them if we're going to spot them. Because the sun being low in the sky catches things a little differently, kind of like when you see dust particles in a, in a room when the sun's filtering through. And sure enough, we were there for, what, five minutes? Um, I saw something fly overhead. I stopped, I waited, and then I saw a couple more. I was pretty sure these were the Asian giant hornets. He called Mafita over. He was a few meters from the nest, and as he waited, he felt a painful, fiery, stinging sensation. The pain quickly overcame him. And I progressed into feeling like I was hit by a two-by-four suddenly. Looked down, there's one, you know, six inches from my face, on my chest, stinging me. So beekeeping experience, I grabbed my shirt and pulled it away. And what it does is it pulls the stinger out, which probably helped actually a great deal. It's still on my shirt. I don't know what to do because I don't want to touch it. And... Fortunately, it flew off. Uh, by that time, Mufita had caught up, and uh, I'm standing there, not trying to process the, you know, what just happened. And uh, I slowly realized that Mufita's yelling at me to to move. John was the first ever known person to be stung by an Asian giant hornet in North America, and this was the first documented nest too. Asian giant hornets are native to countries like China, Korea, Japan, and India. So I asked Paul Van Westendorp, how in the world did these giant apex predators arrive here in Canada? 
there is a strong indication that and a suspicion that these hornets uh, have arrived by ship, by maritime shipments of either bulk carriers or container ships or uh, vehicle ships, uh, you know, or transporting vehicles or things of that nature. Uh, uh, in all cases, uh, these initial uh, finds, uh, not just the one in Anaimo, the very first one, but others as well, have all been very close to harbors and to uh, to maritime activities, you might say. Meanwhile, John and Mafita went home after their first interaction with the Asian giant hornet nest. And John was feeling the wrath of their discovery. It, uh, it felt like a sting, but, uh, you know, on steroids. I don't know how more to describe it. The overriding sensation, though, was what the, what the hell just happened? Because it caught me completely off guard. The couple contemplated their next move. I want to go back to get a photo or to catch a specimen, you know, specimen as a souvenir, and to prove to people that we actually found this thing, because I think there's no way anybody's going to believe that we went out, found the nest, and now we're reporting it. And, you know, I just wanted that proof so that we could get in touch with Paul, let him know, and then he can send this, you know, the SWAT team over to to take it out. Mafita was not a fan of the idea. Yeah, I um, I thought he was delirious, frankly, when he said he wanted to go back. Um, and I made sure he was um, had Benadryl and, and I was monitoring him because, as he mentioned, he had that flush. And um, and so he was saying he's going back and I'm, we were really having a heated argument. No, you're not going back. This is not a plan. <laughs> we don't know what we're dealing with. Yeah, and then, of course, Benadryl puts you to a little bit to sleep. <laughs> so I was like, stay, stay, <laughs> sitting here, let me monitor. And then my brain was processing what was uh, what needed to be done. And I thought, okay, if he's really, really wanting to ba- go back, of course, we were going to let Paul know that we found the nest. We need a better plan. I, I'm a planner in my day job, so I and I'm also... Uh, was involved in safety at work and obviously do the safety for beekeeping. So that's on my mind. Um, and um, and so I thought, okay, well, I will call Conrad. At about 6 p.m., Conrad got the call. Mafita said, We found the nest. You know, what should we do? <laughs> um, so uh, I said, well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been several days of crappy weather. It's just improving now. There's a good chance that uh, it being uh, kind of mid-September that that nest might be producing reproductives. Uh, We should destroy it as soon as possible. I'll get my equipment together. Mafita called Paul Van Westendorp, the provincial apiarist, to get his approval. He cautioned me uh, on safety and they're not easy to kill and about freezing them. And that if we could gather some samples for research purposes, he would be very grateful. But otherwise he approved the plan, told us to be very careful and to make sure I email him photos and an email when we got back. And so I did that. I contacted Conrad. I said, we're good to go. Um, Let's meet. As darkness crept in on them, Mafita, John, Conrad, and some other members of the beekeeping club met near the park, ready to take on the Asian giant hornet nest. 
They came prepared, wrapped in layers of clothing. Mefita wore a ski suit and winter coat underneath her beekeeping attire, all in an effort to prevent the hornet from penetrating her skin. Conrad dressed as if he was ready to go to war. So (laughs) in addition to the normal beekeeping equipment that probably everybody is familiar with, the, the, you know, the, the, the relatively thick overalls, the uh, leather gloves, the, the veil, uh, smoker. Uh, in addition to that, I was uh, sporting a uh, quite fashionable bulletproof vest <laughs> and uh, some Kevlar uh, bracers at wrist and ankle. Because I, you know, I had seen one of these things in Nepal, but I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, so I figured better safe than sorry. So I had, you know, I had the the, the gear for chainsaw safety uh, uh, is what, you know, I normally would use that stuff for. And uh, it's like, well, it's good enough for a chainsaw. It'll probably stop a Asian giant hornet sting. The group attempted to locate the nest using the coordinates they had recorded earlier in the day. But it was dark out and they were using flashlights. Finding the nest was going to be a challenge. The nest was buried underground. I found the spot on the trail and I knew where the branches were and stuff like that. But then to go rummaging around in the salal and under trees to try to find a hole in the ground... uh, Conrad practically stepped, put his foot in the hole. They captured their adventure on camera. This is the recording from that night. Conrad approached the nest with his arsenal of tools. It included a carbon dioxide extinguisher that would stun the hornets on contact. He also brought a net and vacuum. I approached the nest and tried to suck up some of the some of the hornets and as I was squatting down next to the nest both I and the hornets realized at about the same time that they were too big to fit through the nozzle of the hand vacuum that I was using and uh, at that point I became the second person in North America to become stung by Asian giant hornets Uh, so at that point I took four stings across across uh, the tops of my thighs where the fabric was drawn tight uh, against against my skin um, as I was squatting next to the nest. My compatriots were some distance away, and I tried to keep my expletives somewhat uh, under control so that I didn't lose my support team. <laughs> I'm now the second person to be stung. Okay. Ouch. Sorry. He walked back to the group and traded the vacuum for the extinguisher and containers filled with rubbing alcohol. So I uh, proceeded to apply carbon dioxide to the nest entrance to knock the hornets out because their metabolism is so fast when they're flying that you just douse them with carbon dioxide and they immediately breathe it in through through their spiracles and fall to the ground. So once they fell to the ground, Um, I would collect them by hand and then uh, toss them into uh, rubbing alcohol as a a preservative so that um, those specimens could subsequently be identified and uh, analyzed, have have their uh, DNA analyzed. So uh, basically that's how we proceeded. The carbon dioxide wears off almost as fast as it works to knock 
the hornets down. So um, I would uh, douse them with carbon dioxide and then I'd have several minutes where I could collect uh, the work uh, and throw them into the throw them into the alcohol to preserve them. And then by the time I had uh, done that, more workers were starting to crawl up from from out of the nest. What's in there, Conrad? Uh, carbon dioxide. Oh, carbon. Okay. One by one, Conrad picked up each hornet and dropped it into the containers filled with rubbing alcohol. It took about an hour to remove the hornets, but now Conrad had a much more difficult task. So we were ready at that point to dig the nest out. Um, so we started we started digging the uh, digging the nest up, dousing you know following that up with another douse of carbon dioxide. Uh, or the uh, when, any, when any of the remaining hornets came out from between the between the combs, uh, until we revealed uh, the the brood combs and fished out the, uh, the the queen from between the combs and the, the remaining the remaining workers that were down there. In total, approximately 200 murder hornets were collected. The mission was a success, but for Conrad, the pain was just beginning. He was stung seven times. The initial four that I took, uh, I've described it as like having red hot thumbtacks plunged into one's flesh. And two of the four stings that I took initially actually drew blood, uh, which was a new experience for me. So when I uh, when I got undressed that evening, I was surprised to see that uh, my the, the inner layer of pants that I was wearing were actually blood stained from the encounter. So I, you know, uh, when I was stung, I was, you know, I was somewhat anxious, but, you know, also I, uh, I've had worse. <laughs> so, um, uh, although I was, you know, uh, although it hurt a lot, I was never in fear for my life that I was, you know, it's like, oh no, I've been stung. We have to stop what I'm doing. Uh, go home. <laughs> Just like that, Mafita, John, and Conrad successfully destroyed the first Asian giant hornet nest in North America. Experts say this nest likely came from overseas in shipments that arrived in British Columbia. But I wondered, with this invasive species, what are the chances of this situation happening again? Paul Van Westendorp said once the nest in Nanaimo was found, a monitoring system was set up on Vancouver Island and in the Fraser Valley near the Canada-U.S. border. We did a very comprehensive survey through much of the Fraser Valley close to the Canada-U.S. border. Uh, there was a grand total of only five speci- six specimens that were collected, and all those specimens were actually collected by the public, not by by our wonderful bottle traps that we had all over the place. They were in such a separate locations and also in time-wise so unrelated to each other that we, there was no way for us to say, aha, this is an area where there is a likely nest somewhere. No Asian giant hornet nests have been found on Vancouver Island or the Fraser Valley since September 2019. But just south of the border, another would appear. In December 2019, Carla Salp had just gotten back from vacation. She's the public engagement specialist at the Washington State Department of Agriculture. 
and she was about to learn news that there had been a sighting of an Asian giant hornet in the state. So the first infection in Washington came from a resident who um, basically went out onto his porch and saw a huge insect laying there and then noticed a similar one fly off. And so he actually initially posted it on Reddit and the Reddit people said, hey, you should probably report this to the you know, Washington Invasive Species Council. It was forwarded to our entomologist. They um, said, yeah, that looks like a giant hornet from the picture. And then they also went up the next day and collected the specimen and confirmed that it was, in fact, the, the first detection of an Asian giant hornet in Washington state. Typically, Asian giant hornets are most active in the fall between September and November, So it was late in the season. Carla said temperatures in western Washington state, where the hornets were seen, are pretty mild. And experts were aware of the nests that had been found in B.C. and were immediately worried about the potential nest in the U.S. Well, the concern was that, you know, potential threat of what it could do here in the state. And um, we also knew that Nanaimo, in Nanaimo and British Columbia, they had actually found and eradicated a nest of giant hornets earlier that year. So it was concerning that there were two, basically, detections of this pest um, very close to one another, um, both geographically and in time. And um, so that was a concern. And then what it could potentially do, you know, you never know exactly how an invasive species is going to respond in a new environment, but we do know that Asian giant hornet is an apex predator and that our local honeybees here have no defense against them. With the Asian giant hornet on the radar of officials in Washington state, Carla said they went to work to find the nest. To do that, they needed to trap and tag the hornets so that entomologists could track them back to the nest. Carla said it took a few tries and several months before the first nest was located. So the first try, we were working with the University of Washington on sort of a Bluetooth tracker, which um, there were specific devices to track, but you could also track it on any cell phone if you just had the right app. And so we were able to get it attached, but by the time the, um, the tag was attached, The hornet just never flew off. So that was unsuccessful. The second try, we were able to attach the Bluetooth tag and the hornet flew off. We were able to track it for a while, but we eventually lost track of it. The Bluetooth tags have a couple of problems. We found one is they don't have a very long detection distance. So you have to be relatively close to pick them up. And the battery life is short. And so um, once it was lost, you know, we did spend time trying to relocate the, the tag, but never did find that hornet again. The third try, we used a different um, system. We used radio tags. They're much larger. They have, they have like an antenna off of them and they take, you can, be, you can detect them from, you know, probably up to at least a mile away. We were able to successfully attach the the radio tag to the hornet. We actually had a few live hornets to work with at this at this point. I think we had four or five, but we got one of them to to take off 
and eventually it led us right back to the nest. In October 2020, they located the first nest. Earlier, I told you that Asian giant hornets are usually ground nesters, which means their nests are usually underground. So it came as a surprise where Carla and her colleagues found this nest. This one was actually in a tree cavity, which they've, they have been known to do, but it's less frequent than in the ground. So we were surprised to find the, the hornet nest in the tree. That day, we basically were observing the tree, getting photos and videos of hornets coming and leaving. And then it was actually two days later where we came back and did the first phase of the eradication, which was basically vacuuming out the hornets from the nest. Um, so it basically used a shop back and um, sealed up the tree as much as they could with cellophane and then created a small opening um, to insert the tube and suck out the hornets. Once we had sucked out as many hornets as we really felt like we could, we sealed the tree back up. And then it was a process of being able to actually remove the tree itself because we needed to take it down and make sure all the hornets were out of it, one, um, but also, you know, kind of a scientific curiosity, you know, what does this nest look like? And learning all that information about what was in the nest. So we came back a few days later and actually took the tree down and removed the section with the nest and took it to um, Washington State University Extension to actually open up the nest the next day after it had been refrigerated overnight. The nest was finally removed in October 2020. And I wondered, were any beekeepers affected by the hornet nest? I brought this question to Carla. We had a handful of reports from beekeepers about hives being killed off in a fashion consistent with an Asian hornet attack. Um, and we had at least two reports where beekeepers actually confirmed seeing them in their hives and even one collected one from a hive. Um, so we know we were having some hive attacks in 2019. We didn't learn about those 2019 hive attacks until after that initial 2019 report to us in December. Following the removal of the nest, Carla said there were a few sightings of Asian giant hornets in Washington state and Canada, but those could have been hornets from the nests that had just been eradicated. So they continued monitoring for the insects, and they even set up a hotline that people could call if they thought they spotted an Asian giant hornet. But things were pretty quiet. That is, until this year. Three Asian giant hornet nests have been located between August and September this year. Three new nests were all in the same sort of vicinity as last year's nest. So still kind of localized in that area in Whatcom County, east of Blaine. We're still, I think, kind of at a, uh, you know, watch and monitor phase where we're trying to figure out, you know, what the level of the threat is for them establishing here in Washington. Um, the good news is that all of the detections continue to be in a very localized area. We don't know yet, but we will be doing some extensive DNA testing to confirm whether these three nests appear to be related to the nests from last year. 
But given the locations and the colorings, they do appear that they could be um, from last year's nest, basically. So the biggest question really is, you know, everybody wants to know how many more nests are out there. We don't know. There could be more since our last nest that was eradicated toward the end of September. We have not had any further detections of Asian giant hornets or other nests, of course, which is hopeful news. In total, four nests have been found and eradicated in Washington state. This appears to be more of an issue in Washington state. So I asked Paul Van Westendorp, remember he's the entomologist and provincial apiarist of British Columbia, what would happen if the hornets made North America their new home? They are a threat, and their threat is three, three, threefold. Uh, the first one is that we are genuinely concerned about uh, public exposure. Uh, even if they are rare, the problem is, is that a serious interaction mostly doesn't take place right outside of the kitchen door, but it is something like you walk uh, in, a, in a park somewhere uh, on a Sunday afternoon, far away or not directly uh, where you can shelter, in a forest. Uh, this is where they prefer to build their nest. And, the, uh, and, and, and maybe your dog is sniffing at the entrance, wondering what that is. They come out en masse, and before you know it, you have a bunch of hornets going after you. Uh, this, it, is an, it is a genuine threat that we have to recognize. Um, and in fact, the very nest that was discovered and subsequently destroyed in, in Nanaimo in 2019 was right in a public park in central Nanaimo. As we heard, the sting from an Asian giant hornet is powerful. And Paul said it could send those who are prone to anaphylactic reaction straight to the hospital. And it could be fatal. And we know that the second threat is to the North American honeybees because if left unprotected, they could fall prey to the hornet's ravenous attack. But according to Paul, the third threat is perhaps the most scary because the hornets are so invasive. And the third one that we is the big unknown is we do not know uh, how this particular pest will incorporate itself and how it will function in our local ecosystems. But we just do not know how, what the final outcome is because we haven't been exposed to these hornets long enough yet. Paul said that while every invasive species should be taken seriously, there are a number of factors that could potentially limit the Asian giant hornets from making themselves at home here in North America. One of the reasons has to do with genetics. In Asia, there's crossbreeding, but the nests found here in North America so far have all been closely related. They have all originated from that single hornet introduction. That means that any mating will involve closely related individuals leading to inbreeding. It will significantly reduce the chances of the establishment of a viable reproductive population of Asian giant hornets in coastal BC and Washington. Also, Paul says humans will be another major obstacle. So whenever a nest is going to be discovered, I think there is going to be a guaranteed outcome. 
the outcome is that it will be eliminated. And that means that it can no longer reproduce and produce more of those offspring for future nests. But there is one more thing that could hinder the insects from making North America, and particularly Canada's West Coast, their home. We also are blessed here in British Columbia with a set of physical barriers, largely mountain ranges that run from the south to the north, and it makes it difficult for these hornets to overcome those mountain ranges. And when they go farther inland, they go and come into, let's say, the Okanagan, which is marked by uh, very dry, uh, hot conditions. Uh, and, And after the Rocky Mountains, you have hundreds and hundreds of miles of nothing that, that bald-faced prairie, uh, this is not an, these are not environments that these hornets uh, thrive in. Uh, it is well known that the Asian giant hornet prefers maritime forests, relatively moist forest environments, and, uh, and, and, uh, and prefer to build their nests on sloped surfaces to reduce the risk of flooding, uh, and, um, and and so they have a certain set of physical requirements. And so we just don't know whether they will adapt successfully. So I had one final question. Maybe you're thinking it too. How did the term murder hornet come to be? We know that their raid on honeybee hives can be quite gruesome. But Paul says the name came after people had died. It is primarily in Japan where they record every year uh, quite a few human fatalities, something like 30 or 50 human fatalities that happen. And and it is in one of the articles or news reports that came up that where that is now quite some time ago, where the, the term murder hornet was used simply to describe that sometimes they appear to be almost having an, 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 a purpose uh, to, uh, to, to go and attack humans. Hearing this made me think back to Jaws. And the fear that surrounded sharks following the 1975 classic. Paul says insects don't go out of their way to seek humans as prey. And while it's true, multiple stings can result in hospitalization or can even be fatal, the risk to humans is relatively low. They're apex predators, and an apex predator, by definition, is not one that uh, operates in hordes or in large groups seeking victims. No, it's very selective in what it is doing, and and so uh, there is remains quite a bit of uncertainty about these uh, the Asian giant hornet establishing itself out here on the west coast, uh, but uh, uh, and and that remains to be seen. But even if they are successful, uh, uh, this uh, this it will be only incidental. It's been just over two years since Mafita and John discovered North America's first Asian giant hornet nest. It's still unreal. Um, I think it's become more real, and I mean it's also unreal that. There's been such an interest in the whole mortar hornet thing, and um, and you know how we we got involved in it and all that. It's still very much unreal, but it's become part of who we are. You know, I mean, we're beekeepers, but we're also agent giant hornet hunters. Hunters, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, yeah, it's just become part of our life. And what they learned through their experience is something that they've shared with others. If you think you've seen one, take a picture or, or catch it. 
They're fairly easy to catch, um, but don't put yourself at risk. Uh, everybody's got a cell phone and a camera now, it seems, so you know, getting photos is actually pretty easy. It's those tips that can help locate future nests and stop the invasive species from changing the natural environment. Thank you for joining me this week. Global News What Happened To is written and produced by me, Erica Vela, with producer Dila Velazquez. Our audio producer is Rob Johnson. Also, thanks goes to Drew Hasselbeck, supervising national online journalist for Global News. Let us know what you thought of this episode and please share it with a friend. It will help us grow the show and bring you more incredible stories. You can also help us out by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also reach out to me personally. We are always looking for new stories. So if there's a new story you want us to revisit, you can reach me on Twitter at Erica Vela or email me at erica.vella at globalnews.ca. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.